I was talking with a friend recently and they said to me, why is it that every time I'm interested in something, i.e. maybe a specific make and model of a new car, that all of a sudden I see that car all over the road and now I'm starting to receive personalized content related to that vehicle. There's a strategy behind that and one in which marketers use to their advantage. It's ways in which we can connect with people and send personalized content based on their needs and their wants and interests. And you too will know how to do that in this next episode. Hello, and welcome to What Makes You Click, a podcast about successful marketing approaches and tips. Every episode provides our listeners with innovative marketing trends, ideas, and strategies that drive increased revenue opportunities. Our guest experts, influencers, and business owners share their unique perspective on what makes customers click. Sit back and tune in for money-making advice from our experienced and hilarious marketing experts. So let's think about that example for a minute. Let's say for an example, you are interested in taking a vacation. And all of a sudden, you start receiving information based on different vacation spots that you can go to. Now, some may pique your interest and some may not. And the ones that do, you're likely to click on. Now, marketers are using this to their advantage because they know you have an interest, you have a want or need, and that you're going to fulfill that want or need based on the research that you do. So when we talk about sending personalized content, that means content that I am interested in. Because if you start sending me content that I am not interested in, I am not likely to click on an email or click on a social media ad or anything that you send me unless I'm truly interested in that topic. And that's why we talk about segmenting lists, AKA making sure you have lists based on different personas or different likes and interests, but also making sure that you're sending content to them that is appropriate and then saying, oh, at the end of my email, by the way, we also offer X, Y, and Z. And now what you're doing is also cross-selling a lot of your opportunities that you have at your company. But that content is personalized to me. Because like I said, if it's not, I'm more likely just to delete it. And we all tend to do that. Think about all the emails that you get in a given day. If you don't have a great subject line, you might not get to it right away. If there's something that's compelling, you're likely to open it. And actually, there's a statistic out there that says when you start emails with some sort of number, like six ways to grow grass or seven ways you could enhance your buying shopping experience, that intrigues all of us. We have this knack that we want to look at emails that are short and sweet, but actually start with numbers. So you'll see sometimes that that exists out there, but it's the actual number, not spelling out six, not spelling out seven. So let's talk about uh, the automating part of this whole thing. So let me give you an example. I started this webinar a long time ago, and basically I went onto social media, I connected with our local chambers, I did email marketing campaigns, and I said, this is where I'd like to show a free webinar. And what I did is, use a landing page. So when someone clicked on the ad, it brought them to the landing page. On that landing page, they filled out a form. That form asked for very minimal information. All I was interested in was the person's name 
an email address because what I could do with that information is add them to a list. And I knew that this webinar was of interest to them, this topic, that I could use it to send them more personalized and more in-depth content related to that topic. So once they filled out that form, the webinar was emailed to them and it was free. So they got to see that webinar for 30 minutes talking about that particular topic. And at the end, I had some sort of call to action or offer. And it was one of two things. You could either continue consulting and learning a lot more about this, or we have an academy, promarketingacademy.com. We set that up many, many years ago for business owners who really truly wanted to make sure that they had all the tools in their back pocket, but didn't have the time necessarily to always sit and consult with us more one-on-one. So they would go through these videos, they would watch them, they would have worksheets and lessons, but it was a discount to that as well. So it was a way for us to take an opportunity and turn it into some sort of money generating revenue to our company. Now, at the end of the webinar, we tracked how many people clicked and actually made a sale or how many people signed up to then receive a consulting session with us. And based on that interaction, if they signed up, then we connected with them. It notified us. We were then able to reach out to them and physically set up a meeting or connect with them on the next steps for that. But if they didn't take action, what ended up happening is that they got put into an automation and that automation further drilled down and told them the benefits to consulting with us and the benefits to continuing on with this education and people, testimonials of individuals that have gone through and worked with us in the past and were able to then see and hear from true people and businesses that have partnered with us and what success they found and what some of that looked like for them in the years to follow. Now, then what that was doing is enticing them to come back and then continue on with the offer. So it's kind of like what we talked about in another episode of those retargeting ads, those ads that everyone's always like, why once I'm on your website, do I see all these ads that follow me on the web? Well, there's a strategy around that. There's a strategy that says somewhere around 80% of people who see these ads for your business come back to buy from you later on. Now that's a pretty high statistic if you think about it. One in which, you know, if it was a 80% chance of someone, you know, wanting to spend money from you, you damn well know that I'm going to be putting ads out there that are retargeting you and coming back to, you know, entice you to want to work with our team. So that's an opportunity for you to think about. Now in the automating process, that's basically what you're doing. You're nurturing these people through a series of emails and notifications. And we do this called triggers. So triggers are usually what happens to this individual to kick off the automation. So a trigger could be someone clicks on a link, fills out a form, visits a landing page. Um, And there's so many other ones out there too. But triggers are just what action did they take to then prompt this reaction. Now, if you're anything like me, as you dive into lead generation and growing this aspect of your business, you're going to find that you may have multiple automations and campaigns running at the same time. So, you know, as I mentioned, I say, okay, if you jumped on to my email marketing and it was all about lead generation. And at the end I said, you may also be interested in, you know, how websites can really grow your sales and why social media is important to your business and how to incorporate video marketing into your strategy. 
So if you click on any of those individual pages and go to another landing page, that trigger could then put you into another list. So you can be part of multiple lists that exist in my CRM. And as we send content out, that's going to be personalized to you. Now, you'll also notice in automations, especially in the email component, when sending out emails, I might say, hey, Amanda, I haven't talked to you in a long time, but I really want the opportunity to connect and see how business has been and would love to schedule time. Here's a link to be able to do that. And then at the bottom of my signature, there's a link that you can click on to schedule a 30 minute consultation with us, just checking in to see how things are going. And where that might lead is other opportunities that you didn't know existed that could further develop your brand. So that's a little bit of a value add that we bring to the table, but you can too. You can be thinking about all of these different ways. Now, if you're ever interested in a CRM, I always encourage you to reach out to us. Our email is consulting at pearlmarketing.com. That's consulting at pearl, P-E-A-R-L, marketing.com. Because we have tried and tested so many CRMs out there, and there's some that work amazing for some clients. There are some that are not going to work amazing for clients, and it's all based on features and needs. So if you're ever interested in it, this is the time to reach out to us to ask those questions. Um, But what I really want to make sure that we understand is you have to be growing your lists and you have to be automating these organically. Do not go out there and purchase a list because those are blind people that have not asked to be contacted. They do not know anything about your company. And what you might find is you're getting a ton of unsubscribes, which then throw red flags through CRMs and in even your internet providers. Um, I've even had a client get blacklisted before for not using the email properly. And they had to call their internet provider to basically say they would never do that again and then rehab the uh, ability to even send email. So you have to make sure that you're growing this organically. Is it going to take time? Yes. This isn't going to happen overnight. You got to be patient. You know, my husband says to me a lot of times, which I always joke, but it does have a little bit of a meaning to it. He's like, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And we have to all think about that in our own lives, and our own businesses. Yes, we want to sprint. We want to be the best we can right now. And we want to say we have all this sales coming in. But in reality, you're starting off at, you know, the bottom level that you can. And you and it's all in the network and partnerships that you can build that you start growing and growing and growing. So remember, it's okay. You're not going to, you know, be multi-million dollar company at the end of this podcast. But what you will have is some tools and techniques to start growing, you know, your offering. And what you're doing in a lot of these automations is trying to motivate your subscribers to take action and to perform, uh, whether it is to, to look at a, like I said, a webinar or to shopping, uh, purchase an item from a shopping cart. Maybe it's a sale you have, maybe it's some sort of event you're planning. Uh, maybe it's, if you're a nonprofit, you're trying to get people just to donate to you. Um, and that's, and that's important. So what you can do is as you start seeing these people interacting, you're going to start building that, persona and that lead score that we've talked about lead score meaning you're identifying which clients are considered cold leads right now which ones are warm or which ones are hot you can take those hot leads and then once they reach a certain score it can trigger a sales manager at a company or it could trigger you to say this person has reached a high engagement with your organization it prompts you 
as the individual to reach out to them and just say, hey, haven't talked to you in a while. How are things? Oh, it's funny. I was on your website the other day and I was doing research. And you may think, really? You were on my website? But guess what? You knew that. You knew that because it was in the CRM. You could see every interaction that this person was doing from reading emails, opening them, clicking on links, you know, engaging with you on social media. You could see you know, if they were on your website and what pages they were looking at and how long. And it's just the information that exists in CRMs are so powerful, but it's used in the best ability is as it can be to really grow and nurture leads. Now, the other thing automations can do, which I have set up today, is trigger cold leads and try to re-engage them. So what does that mean? I have it that if someone is kind of unengaged or they drop below a certain score after, uh, let's say, three months, I have an email that goes out and it just says, hey, so-and-so, we really haven't talked in a while and I would love the opportunity just to catch up with you. Again, that example I use where you include a link to your calendar for 30 minutes and a lot of times people take that. They go, yes, that's exactly what. I would love to be re-energized in what I'm doing. And we don't sometimes think about this, but you know, I'm guilty of it as it as well, that when we get so inundated with our businesses, we forget sometimes to take a step back and to really analyze things objectively because you're so in it. And that's why a lot of times I ask advice from other people who are not directly related to my employees or even my husband or family, because I want to say, what do you perceive us as? And that's the reason we support a lot of businesses through automation and through lead generation. We are objective. We sit high level looking at everything and how it's going. Now, the one thing I want to start talking about is some pros and cons that exist between automations, because there's always going to be pros and cons. Um, But mostly, I look at the cons as opportunities. You'll never hear me say, oh, these are negative or these are that, because I don't believe that exists in the world. Any type of weakness that we have can be turned into opportunities. Any cons that exist in things, there's a way about doing things differently. So let's talk about some of the good things about having a CRM and especially the automation. So the pros, saves time and resources. Think about if you had to connect with so many different companies and so many different individuals every single day and day out, you would be exhausted. And why would you be exhausted? Because you have so much going on that you can't connect with everybody all of the time. Now, what you might also find, especially in the CRM that we've been using, is that there's something called a sales dialer. And the sales dialer, especially for big sales teams, allows you to say, I want to call these 10 clients. And you can throw on your headset, your headphones, and one by one, it will call them. And it dials it right through the CRM. And if you get the person, great. You have a wonderful conversation with them. It records that entire conversation in the notes. So you don't even have to go back and think about, oh, what did we talk about? Or did I mention this? It automatically records everything with that conversation. Now, the nice thing about it too, is if you had a list of 25 people you wanted to try to call, and let's say, you know, you know, 75% of those people, you're probably just going to get the voicemail. You can set a specific voicemail that is sent if their voicemail picks up. So it could say, hi, good morning. It's Amanda calling from Pro Marketing. Just wanted to check in with you and see, you know, how the decision making process is going, what questions I can answer. You can give us a call back at blah, 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 blah. And 
that's already pre-recorded ahead of time. So if I get that customer's voicemail, bam, I can just submit that voicemail. I don't have to keep saying it over and over again. It calls that lead as I called it today, completed, move it on to the next one. And it dials the next one. And it's such an efficient way of getting things done. Um, automations help improve your return on investment. So think about your cross-selling, your upselling, whatever products or services you have, it's an opportunity for you to then increase your return on investment. You know, the other day I was having this conversation with a friend of mine who has a business and I just, I said to him, I said, I actually had no idea you did X, Y, and Z. And the reason I didn't know he did X, Y, and Z is because he doesn't advertise it so much. So that was an opportunity for me to say, hey, this is, this is something you should be pushing out there because I'm not the only one that should be, you know, aware of this. Your rest of your customers should know that you have this option. So that's an, an, uh, an idea for the automations. It helps improve ROI. It also helps to target your audience and specify your content accordingly, AKA personalized content. It does all the mundane work for you, especially that sales dialer. It can reach past and present clients, AKA if any of them have dropped off for being unengaged or low engagement. And it also measures a lot of the click-through rates and conversions. And basically what automations are doing are collecting info on potential leads, name, email, website, phone number. Um, you put them into your CRM system. You customize campaigns based on what you can see uh, from their actions. You manage opportunities and sales. Uh, you create forms, you um, ask them to be part of different things, leave reviews, what might, um, whatever. And basically, you know, it's an opportunity for you to really grow your brand and your brand name. But also think about it this way. Some of the best referrals come from people that you've worked with or other people you know. So it's okay in these emails to be asking for referrals. Ask people to give you business. Um, so personalizing content pros make customers feel like they can relate to you, feel like they are speaking one-on-one -on -one with them. That's why all our emails basically start with, hi, Amanda, it's been so long or, Hey, you know, John, I've wondered, you know, what have you been doing these days with all of your marketing? It's, it's a way in which I personalized it. So it feels like I'm speaking directly to you, not to a broader audience. It does improve customer retention. It helps with higher conversion rates, as we already talked about, with just in general having automation, higher customer engagement, and also the lead nurturing process. Now, what are some of the cons to you know having a CRM? Well, if you don't do your research, they can be costly. And that's why it's important, like I said, if you're in the market or thinking about doing a CRM for your company, to reach out to me. It's, we've tried and tested so many of them out there. So we know which ones work, which ones don't. And for most times, there's a few of them out there that are kind of a one size fits most. And you know, you can have that um, as part of your integrated process. But again, it's important to understand you know, how these CRMs work for your business. And that's why I invite you to make sure you contact us at the end of this so that we can discuss what that means. Now, let's talk, for example, about personalizing and then having people drop off of automated campaigns. So your automated campaigns aren't going to be coming 
every single day and you don't want to be pushing content every single day. So that's why when you're setting up an automation, you want to set it up correctly that you have certain ideas um, and triggers that take place. So for example, what you might find is, you know, you're automating number one. If someone clicks on a link, you automatically have an email that goes out to them. Then you time it, wait two days and then send them, uh, hey, this is a little bit about our company and this is how we operate and how we work with people. And then maybe you wait one more day, you follow up with a phone call. There's a trigger that sends you a notification that says, you must call these people today. So then you call that person and you say, hey, you know, I saw you filled out a form that you clicked on this link about our company. What questions do you have and what can I answer for you? And then, you know, you might have that conversation with someone or you might not. So then this is an opportunity for you to set timing of all of these different automations because you don't want to be bombarding them constantly every single day. So creating something four, five, six, maybe even seven different things that happen as a result of one campaign is okay. You don't want to go too crazy past that because then you might be approaching on it being a little more excessive and then people might not want to do business with you because it's so, so much um, content coming at them. Give them a little space. It's kind of like, you know, my kids like to just jump right into a pool, but I kind of like to dip my toes in the water first to see how cold it is before I actually get in the water. And then we all have different strategies, but you know what? Most of us are going to dip our toes in the water first before we see if we want to jump right into that pool. And that's how business goes. So making sure that you have a CRM that's managing this, but with the right timing is important. And that's why I say, reach out to us. We can help you to strategize what that process looks like and successful tools that help you grow your business from day in and day out. We are back with our series, continuing on with lead generation and Tim McMahon, the director of marketing at St. Joseph Hospital. Tim, once again, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and St. Joseph Hospital. Thanks, Amanda. Yeah, my name is Tim McMahon. I'm the director of marketing at St. Joe's. I've actually been there since uh, the beginning of 2020, so just before the pandemic hit. By the way, terrible time to start a new job in healthcare, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know I've been really really happy to be there. It's been a great experience. Um, for those who don't know, uh, St. Joe's has been around since 1908, serving the greater Nashville community, and we are a 208 bed acute care hospital. We have uh, multiple outpatient clinics in uh, Nashua, Merrimack. Hudson and Milford, as well as an urgent care in Milford. So, uh, you know, thanks, Amanda, for having me and happy to be back. Absolutely. And if you haven't seen or gone to see St. Joseph Hospital before, I encourage you to go visit them. They have so many different services and helped myself and my family get through a lot of our healthcare needs. So Tim, keeping on with what we've been talking about with lead generation. So we often find that lead generation can happen in different forms as we've already been mentioning. So really what we always try to do is just get people to take some sort of action. So it could be a paid advertisement where they're clicking on a landing page and they're going to fill out a form to get more information on a product, a service, or just to to receive information on a business itself. So one of the avenues that we often find successes is social media. Social media channels um, really do help to drive people in. And especially in the last episode, you talked about engagement, how you have a lot of engagement. So are there particular social media channels that you find people engage with you more over others? So our use of social media at the hospital has really expanded quite a bit over the last two years. When I first arrived, 
social media really wasn't part of the strategy of St. Joe's. Uh, from what I can tell, there was a few things posted here and there, but it definitely wasn't a big piece. So when, when I jumped in, you know, we really started off with Facebook. That was where we wanted to make the biggest impact. And we knew that that's where probably the majority of our patients already were. Now, that's certainly been a, a big piece of our strategy and still is, but we've also expanded quite a bit. So we've, you know, we've moved into uh, LinkedIn uh, first, and then we jumped into Instagram. And again, and, and both of those have been really helpful. And then more recently, we jumped, I guess, back into Twitter because I think we had a Twitter at one point and we kind of lost it and we got it back recently. And, and then most recently, we jumped into TikTok. So all these channels are helpful to some degree because they all hit different markets and they all have different styles. So some are better for you know, pictures and videos, some are a bit better for text, uh, some are better for engagement versus just branding. So, you know, we use all of them um, almost daily, if not multiple times a day. And, and and I can see that that's very important to you because you have different age demographics and there's certain um, areas of our population that prefer these channels over others. And some may not be on Facebook where they could be on Instagram or on TikTok. So it's, it's important, I would say, to make sure that you are reaching all of these people in different avenues. And sometimes you may be cross-referencing, you know, the opportunities. And we, and we often do cross-reference. And, you know, we always have to think about, you know, the service line too. So, um, you know, things like orthopedics, if we're promoting, you know, total knee replacements, you're not hitting, you're not, your, your target market is not younger kids for total needs. Generally, younger kids don't need total knee replacements. At least we hope not. <laughs> right, hopefully not. <laughs> they may need ACL repairs and things like that. But That's different. But replacement is a little different. So that tends to be an older market. Uh, same thing with things like colonoscopies, right? No one's getting a colonoscopy before 45, which, by the way, if you're 45, you should get a colonoscopy. That's right. Isn't um, it Colonoscopy Awareness Month? <laughs> uh, we just ended. March. Yes, that's right, March. Um, so, you know, we have to think about, you know, the service line we're promoting and where we're going to get the best impact. So, again, it might be social media, but it might be, you know, an email marketing campaign. It might be an ad in a local magazine. Um, and, you know, in some cases it might be it might be a TV commercial. So kind of going off topic a little bit here with this process, you talk about, you know, colonoscopy awareness month or just that that whole month of recognizing the importance of this. How do you as an organization utilize some of these very important milestones in our lives to educate and build awareness? So I, I really agree that, you know, a big part of marketing, it's, it's not just selling, it's educating. It's, it's educating people, you know, not just about the services you offer, but why they're so important to your health. So the more we can share with folks, you know, not just, hey, go get a colonoscopy because I told you to, but <laughs> why a colonoscopy is important. You know, people need to understand the impact of colon cancer. They need to see, you know, that, you know, you can get it. It doesn't, you don't have to be 70 years old to get colon cancer. People are getting it younger and younger. And we have to educate them about the importance of screening. And it's the same thing when you get around to like, you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month and the importance of mammograms. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that the challenge is with the online world, there's so much information out there 
and it makes it harder and harder these days for people to know what to trust and what to believe. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's our job as you know trusted healthcare professionals because you know if you can't trust your doctor, who can you trust? Um, to to be that resource for people so that if they go if they don't know where to go if they're not really sure what's why what's true what's not true come to us we're, we're going to tell you uh what the truth is what you need to do to be as healthy as possible to live as long as possible and to take care of yourself and your family yeah absolutely i mean it's very important and i think more so the education piece and finding a credible organization like yourselves to put out content that is factual is incredibly um, powerful to us as consumers. Because right, the, the, the more you know, the more you understand, the better decisions you'll be able to make. Yes. Again, whether it's coming to us or going down to Boston or wherever it may be, but either way, it's important that you have accurate information. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get back into the lead gen. So can you describe what your lead nurturing process is? Is there like a post visit plan for patients to stay connected to the hospital? Do you follow up uh, with any type of information that they should be receiving from you? What does that look like? So, yeah, I think it, I think it changes depending on the patient. So there are patients who, you know, will connect with before they become a patient. So maybe it's through social media or, or some other venue where they kind of hear about us. And, you know, whenever possible, we always like to collect emails. Because mm-hmm. especially if we're at like an event and people come by and they, you know, they say hi to us or, you know, or do whatever they do. Um, you know, if we can collect an email and then send them kind of that value added content um, over the next week, month, year, you know, eventually, we hope that by providing them really good, um, you know, educated content, they'll be more inclined when they need our service to want to come see us. So, you know, again, the more they know, they might not need us today or tomorrow, but they might need us a year from now or five years from now. And the more we stay in front of them, you know, that's how we are constantly kind of generating and nurturing those, those leads. And of course, you know, we have people who come to us maybe through urgent care because, you know, they just, their, their child, you know, broke their leg and they just, they came right to our urgent care and they may not be a patient in our primary care practice, but once they're there, we may give them flyers or information and say, you know, hey, if you're looking for a new primary care doctor, you know, we have plenty that are accepting new patients. Um, you know, we certainly invite them to join our email list and, you know, obviously let them know that we're on social media. So, you know, we, we, we do know that not everybody needs us all the time and we have to constantly stay in front of people um, so that when they need something we offer, that they that we're the first people they think of the call. Yeah, it's those touch points. It's touch points that you're continuously making to say, here we are, we are still here. Yep. You may not need us now, but remember us when you do need us and and such and let me talk a little bit about email uh marketing for a second so in this series that we're doing this episode we talk about email list segmentation you know finding out what your customers are looking for in terms of needs and then sending them personalized content based on those needs but also using the email as an opportunity to kind of cross sell a lot of your uh, other services and opportunities that exist so tell me a little bit about your email segmentation sure so we pull email emails in from again multiple different areas right so sometimes it's 
from um, people filling out a form on our website, requesting more information, or sometimes it's from people coming to an event. And so, you know, when we know what somebody wants, because again, they filled out a form on our website saying they wanted more information about, um, you know, GI services, that's a little easier to segment because then now we can target them with specific content focused on GI um, versus someone who might just, you know, have come to an event and filled out a form and, and gave us their email address. You You're know, not really sure what right, those they're might interested need in. Those a more generic mm -hmm. um, email campaign, mm -hmm. and that's fine. But to your point, there's a lot of cross-segmentation. So, you know, you know, we're going to mention, you know, lots of GI stuff to the person who that's what they're interested in. But, you know, if we know their age, we might also say, hey, you know, did you know that at this age you should also be getting screened for X, Y, and Z? Because, you know, people know what they see on a daily basis. So, for example, we always see a lot of ads around Breast Cancer Month, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, the, you know, the folks that do that, they do a great job of getting that message out there. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of areas that you don't see a lot of ads about. You don't see a lot of ads about prostate cancer. Um, so, you know, we need to make sure that we're providing, again, that valuable, educated content to people, you know, when and where they need it. Mm -hmm, absolutely. One of the things that we often find our clients doing is following up with surveys. Uh, just surveys based on maybe something called a net performance score, meaning that, you know, you send out a survey and say on a scale of one to 10, what was your experience? And a lot of times people say, if it's an eight to 10, that's a great experience. If it's a six to seven, maybe it's something that we need to look into. If it's a one to five, then we need to reach out to the person. So tell me a little bit about the surveying that you may do as a, as a post follow-up to some of the experiences. Sure. So healthcare is a little different because um, we have to send out um, surveys to our patients. Uh, we use a company called Press Ganey that sends out surveys after all the appointments and people have an opportunity to you know, rate their experience. And that those surveys are used as part of our, um, our patient experience score, mm -hmm. which, is, um, which, is, which is out there publicly. So you know, that is something that's it's very important to us. Um, usually comes through an email that folks get after an appointment. And you know, we're, we're constantly trying to encourage folks to fill those out more often because you know, we wanna make sure that you know, it's, we know we, we know not everybody's gonna have a perfect experience. And unfortunately, oftentimes when it comes to surveys and reviews, it, it's the people who had the bad experience that are the most likely to respond. Exactly, yeah. But there still may be 10 times many more people at a good experience that don't respond. And so we need to encourage those um, just as much. So that's that's always a challenge, uh, making sure we get those surveys back and making sure they're accurate and, and getting enough of them so that it's like st statistically relevant. Oh, that's great. Well, I want to thank you again for your time. And uh, we look forward to chatting with you in our next episode. Great, thanks Amanda. We have one more episode in this series, and that's episode six, which is going to talk about lead generation strategies specifically for small, medium, and large businesses. We really appreciate that you continue to listen on to our podcast, and we see you in the next and final episode of Lead Generation. 
You have reached the end of another episode of What Makes You Click. Check us out at promarketing.com forward slash what makes you click. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter to receive our free resources and materials. See you in the next episode.